The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. After a historic few days in Britain with the Queen's state funeral this week, it's really now back to business. It is back to business for the UK, but Dave, really our question, like our last episode pointed out, was there ever really a break for the new government? Behind the scenes, we know furious work going on for a huge economic support package, bailing out households, businesses, also a vast uh, raft of tax cuts to try to stimulate the economy. Yes, it is a big week for the Prime Minister. She started the week by flying to the United Nations General Assembly, New York, where I am. It's her first outing on the world stage as UK Premier, and then of course she ends the week in the House of Commons as her Chancellor lays out a mini budget. And the day before that, we're going to have the Bank of England. The market's forecasting yet more uh, rate hikes. That meeting was delayed for a week because of the official mourning period. So we're going to have the Bank of England Thursday afternoon. Dramatic moves there. And then this statement, which really is a sort of emergency budget from the new Chancellor on Friday. She's really back full throttle under pressure over a deepening economic crisis. I'm David Merritt in the London studio. And I'm Francine Lockwood in the New York studio. Not together again, David, but this uh-huh. for the first time in a long time is actually for a reason. I'm here for the UN General Assembly and it's especially important for the UK Prime Minister. It's her first foreign trip as PM. Liz is first trip as well, exactly. So this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories at the heart of the City of London. This week, as Francine mentioned, British politics has returned full throttle with the new Prime Minister continuing to face pressure over a deepening economic crisis. So, are Liz Truss and her team ready for this high-stakes moment? And does the City of London think they're making the right calls? We'll hear from Legal and General Chief Executive Officer Nigel Wilson, who says Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng has the right intent, but still the question remains, can he deliver? But first, Bloomberg Opinion columnist Marcus Ashworth joins us in conversation over some headline-grabbing policies that might be coming and whether Kwarteng's all-systems-go approach is winning anyone over. So, Marcus, let's start with reports that the government is considering scrapping its cap on bankers' bonuses. The problem is that if you focus on bonuses, it means a lot of people will be discontent. Ha! Uh, I think that I'm going to hope that this was just a leak, uh, not a good sign at the start of a new government, but the old government had lots of leaks and this one probably is going to have the same problems. You wouldn't put this particular cart before the horse of uh, of changing uh, the rules generally in the city, which got thoroughly ignored throughout the whole Brexit process. And perhaps this new government wants to try and uh, appreciate that uh, one-eighth of the economy is focused on financial services. The city needs to have a a clearer sense of direction and perhaps some of these rules need to be changed. But um, the government needs to do this in sync with the Bank of England and the wider uh, administration part of it and indeed with the, with, the, with the city itself, which is going to be 
circumspect about bonuses because this is actually a good thing for banks, not necessarily for bankers. It's good to focus on the attractiveness of the city, but in the right way. And it needs to be part of an overall package, not leading with these ridiculous bonus. Right. I mean, they're very, they're very headline catching, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but not a vote winner. <laughs> well, no, it's quite right. the reverse. A more active, willful sort of, please write this into your you know, yeah. Labour Party uh, <laughs> and Liberal Democratic you know, election leaflets. But at the same point, if it's part of a wider package... Mm then yeah, no, the government should not be in the pay-capping business. It's, it was a 2014 rule forced on the city, which never really worked with it very well. As a consequence, basic salaries went through the roof. Uh, it's an ugly situation, but this can be unwound at a better time, perhaps after a deal with the European Union, if there ever is to be one on regulatory equivalence, Moves like this make it less likely, not more likely, and that isn't what the city wants. Right, so that was what I was going to ask, Marcus. I mean, is this move likely to provoke the European Union into some sort of tougher line on the city? Well, I'm not sure. I think they're probably a bit stunned like the rest of us, as in, really, this one first? They know that a bit of divergence is going to come. That's obviously written in the stars. The question is whether or not there can be an overall deal where the EU can relax that essentially the city is going to allow the control and uh, perhaps the gentle stimulation of the European financial system. Now, certain things like clearing, I think the city's won that argument. But with regards to you know, where bankers are based and should people trading euros be based in, in, in Europe as, rather than just in the city, I, I think there's a, there's a fair middle ground to be had. And I think you know, we are getting towards there whether the city likes it or not, because the ECB is quite insistent on this. But you know, the Bank of England has have to play quite a careful game on this, and it needs help from the government, not, uh, you know, should we say... <laughs> uh, Unhelp. But so, Marcus, this is not about bringing back the bankers that left because of Brexit. I don't think it is. That ship has sailed. Um, I think it does help US banks and their flexibility. And that's really the big audience here. You know, across Europe and, and, and the city, you want to make sure your Goldman Sachs and your, and your Bank of America, etc., are encouraged to employ people here and be able to compensate them with that less hassle that they would be maybe in Hong Kong or New York. And that's the comparison. I think the bankers have left for for Europe are, are, are there for a reason and will likely stay there. And, and timing, timing aside, you said the timing is bad potentially in terms of like the publicity, but just this message that the government is getting out of the business of setting pay. I mean, surely that's got to be a good thing for Britain's image around the world, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're doing the same with corporation tax. They're not going to hike it. They are trying to say global Britain, you know, lots of clacks and alerts going off here, aren't there? <laughs> um, aspiration <laughs> nation. I'm you know, not quite sure that's what people thought when it was uh, about bankers' bonuses. But nonetheless, it does send an image if they can back it up. But as a one-off, if it's just a one-off, then it's 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 the wrong cart before, the, you know, the much more valuable horse of, of regulatory equivalence with Europe, which may or may not be uh, ever achieved, but this isn't necessarily, if this is just on its own, the right way of going about it. Marcus, thank you so much. Thanks, Marcus. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Earlier this month, in one of his first official acts, Quasi Kwarteng held a meeting in Downing Street with a group of chief executives and senior figures from banks, insurers and asset managers. And he announced his plans to release a sort of big bang 
two of reforms to boost the City of London. Now, one of the people who was actually in that meeting, Legal and General Chief Executive Officer Nigel Wilson, joins us now for his take on the Chancellor's vision. And also with us is Bloomberg's finance editor, Catherine Griffiths. Nigel, it feels like it was only a few months ago when we spoke, but it, we're on another planet now, aren't we? we <laughs> we've got a different government. Um, we've got a, a radical new agenda they're going to be pushing through. Now, the new Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, hosted business leaders uh, in Downing Street fairly recently. You were in that meeting. What can you tell us? We're going to do a bit of a reporting for us. What was it like in the room? And did he convince you all that his plan is the right one? I think it was, first of all, it was great that he invited us. You know, the first cabinet meeting had just finished and the people he wanted to see were the uh, chief executives of some of the biggest financial institutions in Britain. That was a very positive signal around this. And he's naturally a pretty upbeat guy. And so he was very upbeat about the prospects for the UK. And he was actively listening as well as being on broadcast mode. So it was a positive meeting from that point, point of view. So you think the government is pivoting to listening a bit more you said he was in broadcast mode as well but you know it's no secret is it that boris johnson's government um had a, a different attitude throughout the brexit years perhaps to the business community without quoting him i think Catherine and i we quoted him last time we spoke about this didn't we and that pivot to actually listening do you do you think there's real kind of meat on the bones of that yes i would hope so i think we we desperately need to um have everybody pointing in the same direction, that uh, we need investment-led growth across the UK. We've never had that for 30 or 40 years. And you need the business leaders to support that investment-led uh, growth. And, you know, th there's still a huge amount of unused capital in the UK. And we've got to use that capital to develop and deliver better outcomes. And it's great that the government wants to engage on that. What would be your top few things that you'd really like to hear from the new Chancellor to kind of achieve this proper levelling up and and real kind of getting investment going to kind of do the kind of things that you that you would like to see? Yes, I mean, if you, if you go back to the 70s and the 80s, I mean, the 70s are a pretty abysmal time and there's lots of parallels between what happened in the 1970s in Britain and, and what uh, is happening today with inflation rates, a war going on, oil prices, energy prices. We had three-day week and energy was rationed in the 1970s. We've got a similar sort of situation right now, but what happened in 90, in the early 80s was Big Bang, and actually policy, regulation, planning, all worked together, and we, we built this new city called the city of, city of London, and it became very dynamic. We stopped there, though, and we never went and made that right across, we never delivered right across the country. So London, you know, became this inc incredible shining star for the, for, the, for the world. You know, in the 70s, rubbish was piled 30 feet high in parts of uh, London. It, London was depopulating at, at the time, and we saw a dramatic turnaround. We saw a dramatic turnaround in the economy between 1992 and 1993, and, you know, I had this discussion with John Major, you know, where, you know, there was a huge difference between, between it because we, we started to get policy planning and regulation right to create the right backdrop and that's what I want to hear the government talking about and it, it matters for the whole country that we get policy planning and regulation and everybody collaborates together because there's still the money around you know the big banks be in part by accident we we ring fence the big banks and so they ring fence banks are sitting on huge amounts of capital the pension funds are sitting on huge amounts of capital the insurance companies have huge amount of capital we need to redeploy that capital into useful 
activities and there's tons of opportunities for doing that. Virtually every sector in the UK can have a change of regulation, a bit better planning and uh, more investment. And that'll allow you know GDP to grow and per capita income to grow. And we haven't seen that for a long time. So specifically to get that done then, are we talking about, I mean, things like Solvency 2 is one. You're talking about freeing up capital that's currently tied up. That's a reform that needs to happen? Yes. I mean, Solvency 2 is the easiest win because you know, it doesn't have the overlay of Basel, which the banks have to, a, a more complicated uh, uh, situation as a consequence of that. But Solvency 2, we've had the right to change it since 2016. For whatever reason, we've chosen not to do that. And that's an easy win for the, the government to encourage more investment by firms like ours and we're putting our hands up and say yes we'd like to invest more in the UK because it is a great place to invest and and policy has not been changed fast enough it's been a very difficult time for the government to get through real changes in policy and and all of these things have to change and they change in a crisis when I talked about the 70s part of the reason that we got stuff done in the 80s is because there had been a crisis 1992 there was a crisis 1993 check the records big growth year for the UK and we're in a crisis now, right? We're in an energy crisis. We're in an inflation crisis. We're at war, obviously, yep. or the uh, Ukraine is at we, war with Russia. Yes, we are in a crisis. And I think that's why, you know, just blaming the Bank of England for inflation isn't the right answer. And it, it, it's actually, uh, you know, America's got a very similar level of inflation. Most of Europe have, has a very similar level of inflation. Inflation is very complicated. We've lived in a world where we hadn't really considered inflation for a very long period of time. Rates have been very constant. And so there hasn't been not, uh, much going on. Now we've got an enormous amount of things going wrong. And people are very fearful of that. And Nigel, what about tax? How how important is it for the government to say something on tax? Obviously we know where what Liz Truss is, is likely to say. It's been very well flagged on corporation tax, but do you think that in fact there could be more that's done on tax across the business world or indeed perhaps for the financial sector that could kind of really kickstart investment? I think tax is is one item, but actually it's not such a high priority item right now as many of the other the other issues that we have. People have underinvested in Britain during numerous different tax regimes over the last 30 or 40 years, and that's because of the lack of collaboration and coordination across the uh, across the across the UK, which has meant our you know GDP per capita has performed poorly against lots of our peer groups, and we have you know as we know. Only London has a higher per capita income of any of any city or town, any large city or town in the UK, as compared with Dresden, Leipzig, and Berlin. And that's in a generation they've caught up and passed passed us. And that's because of these reasons that we haven't done the right things here in the UK for a long period of time. People haven't collaborated together, and people have pointed fingers at other people, giving them the blame when it actually isn't their fault. So, do you think? Corporation tax doesn't have a huge effect. I mean, you know, we've had a concert. The, 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 it's been a previous conservative chancellors, right, who've raised corporation tax and said, look, it doesn't necessarily drive away investment. Uh, Trust is pretty clear. She says, and Quateng, they're saying, look, we have to have lower corporation tax rates than our than our neighbours, than our European competitors, if we're going to attract businesses. Is 
is she barking up the wrong tree there? No, it's not the wrong tree, but it's just one of the elements. And I think this goes back to, you know, what's, what is a comprehensive package that makes the UK more attractive? It isn't a single item if all of the other things are, un, you know, if it's going to take you seven years to get planning in London, it doesn't matter what the corporation tax is, to be frank. Ar- 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 so you keep talking about planning, actually, and this is really interesting, I think, yeah. because actually this is sort of out of the remit, I guess, of, of the normal kind of chancellor's plans but are you saying is do you think this government is going to finally force through well they've talked about sort of making it easier to push through programs getting rid of some of the planning laws that's pretty controversial in some parts of the country we have to be more forward-looking about changing changing planning using compulsory purchase orders which people have always been reluctant to do in the past and we have to be bold about these things you know when i think of how much the city changed in the in the 1980s for the better uh, we have to do that right across the country that's just an absolute given you know corporation tax is just one of those signals that actually we are open for business to do more investment here in the UK and you'll see a more dynamic government as a consequence that's the messaging they're giving that's certainly the messaging that the that we the chief executives of the financial services sector picked up and we now we we have our job to deliver and we try and deliver you know continuously and for a long period of time the government has to do the same so talking about messaging I mean this boat the banker bonus cap that is caught a lot of headlines in the last few days um Liz Truss is in New York as we record this. She's told our reporter that, um, well, this might not be particularly popular. It's not a vote winner, is it? But is it about the messaging that sends to investors, to financial institutions, that the government shouldn't be in the business of setting pay and leave it up to corporations? Yeah, yes. I mean, this is about messaging. This is not about massive amounts of uh, money. Um, and it's, you know, I think this is one of the things that leaked ahead of time because it's an emotive issue and an unpopular issue. And therefore, people want to write, write about it. But actually, it's just one of the tools and the many tools that the government's trying to adopt to change the position of the UK. Nigel, I do wonder um, on this planning stuff, you know, Trust and Kwarteng have been very keen to talk about how radical they are and how keen they are to be bold and take on all these sorts of foes, real or imagined, around the world. Do you think that they have a sort of appetite to listen when it comes to these perhaps slightly less kind of exciting sounding policies for for the UK? And again, when we kind of put the overlay on, on the fact that it's two years till the next general election... Yeah, that's the awkward thing, because planning takes longer than two years for most things in the UK. Therefore, even if you want to start stuff under the current regime, it just just is is quite difficult to get these. You know, we've talked about shovel ready projects for a very long period of time, and we haven't seen anywhere near enough of them happen across the UK. Does anybody think we don't need more affordable housing, social housing, build to rent housing here in the here in the UK? That's absolutely the case. Would we like to see much more progress made in terms of investment in climate change? Ab- absolutely. Would would we like to be to have the equivalent of Portugal in terms of our 5G ne- network? I mean, the answer to that is yes. These things have not happened, and the government's been on watch why these things have happened. So actually, you need to change something to get them to happen because the capital is around sitting around waiting to invest in these things and it's barriers around policy planning and regulation that have stopped it but when we look at london's record of the last couple of years for attracting capital uh, for attracting companies to raise capital even you know that crown has been lost hasn't it to other centers do you see it coming back yeah well it's not going to come back unless we change things and that means that you know regulation has to be has to change 
change quicker. You know, if we go on to you know the the the, the whole uh, digital digital network that we see and and 5G across across Europe, we've fallen right behind lots of places. We we can't let that happen where we're you know in the teens, not at the top. We want to be at the top, not in the teens. And you think Kwarteng's the man to? No, I think he, he's he's certainly got the intent. You know, it's now, can you deliver? It's the delivery and execution. We're being incredibly welcomed in the United States. Uh, you know, if we were as welcomed in the, in the UK as we were in the United States, that would be a, a fantastic thing. And we, we have our capital that we can allocate uh, outside the UK. Of our UK annuity assets, over 50% of them are outside the UK. Outside of the UK already, under the current, the current rules, you know, and that's not the, you know, these are backing UK liabilities. So we've got the diversification through international rather than through investing in a different, different types of assets here in the UK. That's not the best solution. So delivery, I think Liz Trust used that word, didn't she, in her first speech as Prime Minister, we're going to deliver, we're going to deliver. How long do you give them before you can tell whether they're going to be well, able we, to We'll see on Friday whether Solvency 2 gets... Uh, right. A, a strong mention and actually there's a plan and a timetable for for getting changes here in the here in the UK and I think all of my banking colleagues will see that as a positive signal if they've sorted out the easiest problem which is solvency two and then move out to some move on to some of the more difficult ones around uh, around b- banking and, and also fund management so do you think we're at a moment where people might come to the view that both banks and insurers in this country simply are being forced to hold too much capital as as a consequence of the financial crisis, and that and that you know perhaps while still being prudent and sensible, actually that needs to be fundamentally reconsidered. It's not fun, it, 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 you know we're more talking about the asset eligibility, what it is we're allowed to invest in. That's why over fifty percent of the of our assets are outside of the uh, outside of the UK. If there was more assets that were qualified here in the UK, we'd invest in them I- here in the UK. And so the the capital treatment is just a nudge, and actually it's a nudge which will be broadly equivalent with what's going to happen in in the EU anyway. So it's not that these these are going to di- hugely di- diver- diverge. It's that Europe. You set some rules which are not the same as the American rules. So the Americans, ha- although they have equivalents, have much better, more attractive capital rules than, than we do here in the UK. Nigel Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Once again. Will you come back in a few months and tell uh, us we've got a scorecard abs- on I will be back. Content. Don't worry. I've got <laughs> a, a great story to tell. Thanks for listening to this week's In the City. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. And if you're looking for a daily wrap of the stories that matter in the UK, sign up now for our newsletter, The Readout with Allegra Stratton on Bloomberg.com slash newsletters or check out the show notes for a link. This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt. And for a good portion of it, me, Francine Lacroix. It was produced by Samasadi. Special thanks to Marcus Ashworth, Catherine Griffiths, and Nigel Wilson. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.